Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? Welcome back to Glee Aggressive. Oh, that was really good. Awesome. I'm glad. I, I'm sure it will come through and post just perfectly. I have yes. all the confidence in my mind. So, w- welcome. We're here to talk about Glee again. Um, so, today we have our first guest, um, a very special guest who is a comedian, playwright, and turns out one of my oldest friends. She is an all-around delight. Please welcome to the show, Annette Storkman. Hello, Annette. Hello. Hello. Hello, oldest friend. One of them. Hi. Freaking weird. Yeah. Time. Right? Dumb. Time. Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> Don't like exactly. that. Time. Nope. Not at all. Um, what is time? It's a concept and a construct. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a con. It's a it's con. It's all around, all around a con. <laughs> and we shouldn't believe it. I don't even celebrate New exactly. Year's anymore. It's just a screaming exactly. hell void from here on. <laughs> oh, it, it is. <laughs> so, uh, what's up? How you been? What's going on? <laughs> you know, I haven't left my apartment in a year. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Had my birthday, the world shut down, you know. <laughs> right. Oof. Yeah, that happened Oof, right away. Omen. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, they said that the your life doesn't end at 30, but 2020 <laughs> the begged world to does. differ. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing so, so it's been it's been all right i've had a lot of projects my day job's been good i've been very lucky to remain employed and no no uh salary cuts or anything like that so i I've, I've gotten i've gotten very lucky throughout this year i'm very happy to hear that as uh <laughs> as wild as it's been yeah yep well we are here to discuss uh episode three season one of glee titled Acafellas. Oh my god. Um, Great sign. It originally aired September 16th of 2009, so we're still that far away. Um, Finding out that this is the only episode of Glee you've ever seen, Annette, is very funny to me. Yes. Yeah, when uh, Ian asked me to do this, I I was like, yes, absolutely, that sounds like a ton of fun. Also, do I have to have ever seen Glee? (laughs) And And I said, nope. He was like, no, and I was like, perfect. I was like, should I just only watch this episode just blind <laughs> nothing oh and i said yup it was great <laughs> i tell you because like, so this is the first episode uh, of glee i've ever seen in my entire life i managed i love it to miss it all when ian and i were in college this had just started and yep. someone yeah. on campus uh inspired by the show started a glee club Oh, they sure did. And I dated a dude in acapella for a long time, so I yeah. was a little triggered by all of this. So you sort of just lived Glee instead yeah. of watching yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you lived the Glee. Can I tell you, I forgot about all of that until right now. <laughs> How? It's never I left. I don't know. It's never left. You don't me. go through every day of your life thinking about New Pod's Glee Club? <laughs> nope. Um, so yeah, it's the third episode of Glee. A little, like, fun fact about this episode is when it was first airing and they were sending out screeners to TV critics, they didn't send this one. So, TV critics got episode screeners of 1, 2, and 4, which is generally a bad sign because they're like, look, guys, this one isn't it. They knew right away. We, like, "Uh, we could have done better with this one. Don't judge us on this episode. We're also not sure what happened. Also, like, side note, I have to remind myself that Acafellas is not a group from Pitch Perfect. (laughs) Ha! I'm it thinking of yeah. I'm yeah, thinking of Sacapella, which is like not better. Oh. Sacapella's though has the hand puppets. Exactly. I don't know why I'm conflating the two. This is a worse this episode is a worse version of Pitch Perfect. Yes. Yes, I was actually yeah. thinking about that throughout. I was like, I'd rather be watching Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect is about sisterhood. Yeah. Yes. And I don't I don't mind the auto-tuned numbers in that one. <laughs> and this is just about men and it's weird. Yes. I mean, let's dive into this episode because the theme here I got from this is two words, guts and confidence. Guts. They say, yes. You gotta have guts. They say guts a lot. 
They had a they yeah. had a thesis statement. Yeah. So, um, this episode started for me with, "Hey, it's that it's, guy." It's Victor um, Garber. It's Victor Garber. It's Victor yeah. Garber. One of my oh, favorites. Oh, look, Mister Titanic and assassins himself. Yes, assassins Sondheim. Yes, that's that's a deep cut. Although, if you're listening to a Glee podcast, I think you might get an assassin Sondheim reference. I would <laughs> yeah, hope so. I think you do. And if not, then do your homework. <laughs> Especially if you're listening to this Glee podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Victor Garber is here as Matthew Morrison's dad, and um, he, he, right away, like, Matthew Morrison's like, I'm having a baby, everyone's excited, and then Terry and mom go away, and Matthew Morrison is like, I'm scared. I don't have the guts. And so, Victor Garber, we started off here, being a man is all about one thing, guts, and I'm like, I don't know about that word, but strap in. (laughs) Here we go. I wrote down, this is the first note that I did. I, I took five pages of notes. Amazing. <laughs> a lot of it in all caps. This one is, this fatherhood speech with the music is one of the funniest accidental satires I've ever seen. <laughs> I howled with laughter. It was two minutes in and the, like, the music cue and, the, and the, the weird cut zoom that they did into it was like, yeah, no one's ever ready. It's all about guts. I was like, this is a parody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the thing about Glee is, I'm like, I can't tell with Glee if it is, are they playing it straight or is it a parody? Right? Because with early Glee, it could be either. Right. I know. Uh, I had to look up what the Hanoi Hilton was because they say like, oh, we're not telling people about the pregnancy in Matthew Morrison's dad says, I spent six months in the Hanoi Hilton. You don't have to worry about me. And I was like, oh, that's probably a joke I don't get. Turns out it's a prison in Vietnam. Wow. <laughs> so, canonically, Will Schuster's dad is a Vietnam War vet. Well, damn. And we thank him for his service. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for your service. I have a I have a question because I haven't seen the episodes prior to this. Is she actually pregnant? Because it seemed like she's not. <laughs> She's not. It was revealed last episode. She's having a hysterical pregnancy, which is a real thing. Okay. Matthew. Oh, my God. Not Matthew. Where is it? Um, uh, Ryan Murphy has never spoken to a woman. It's also my takeaway from this episode. Correct, though. Oh, God. He hasn't. Well, speaking of women. Terry continues to be like a fucking maniac. In this episode. I mean, and speaking of women, we go right to, I guess, I don't know why my note here is Quinn and Naya Rivera extorting Leah Michelle. Yes. What 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 was that because I clearly don't remember it. Uh they joined the Glee Club to sabotage and so now they're like, now that we're part of the Glee Club, we're all friends here. Here's some terrible advice that will destroy the Glee Club from within. Right. And it was about Dakota Stanley. Dakota Stanley. Um, this was the only reason I knew that I had actually seen this episode before. Um, which I totally forgot about because of the whole... Because this came out right after I did Beauty and the Beast in high school, so... <laughs> right. And he was the understudy for the candlestick. Yeah. Which... I guess they maybe couldn't say Lumiere, or... I couldn't tell if it was a copyright, like, weird thing, or if they were trying to say that the characters wouldn't know the people in Beauty and the Beast. Or the, the candelabra. Thing. I thought that meant that... Yeah. I thought it was a joke about he was, like, an understudy for an extra... <laughs> like no. oh. oh, I didn't even think of I that. could be very sure. But if that's what it was, then it would have actually been a, a decent joke of them like calling out how better... kids think about like professional performers. <laughs> but, but I feel like if we have to go deep into whether or not it was a joke, then it wasn't a great joke. Well <laughs> Yeah, how much credit do we want to give the writers of Glee? None. <laughs> Let me tell um, you, none. And then like right away Matthew Morrison reveals he wanted to be a star, and it's like of fucking course he did. We'll yeah. get into this more as we go, but, like, this, again, we talked about it at least an episode ago. This could have been a show about Matthew Morrison having had been in a boy band. And, like, maybe yeah. now he's a teacher and, like, is trying to, like, find some glory days to relive or whatever. But it's not. It's about a glee club, and um, and I'm uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, my <laughs> my note for that was, I'm having college flashbacks. Yep. Acafellas. This man, Matthew Morrison, shouldn't be allowed to be a father. He's gonna get a tattoo with acafellas on it. He's gonna show <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Where do you think he's gonna get that tattoo? Oh, like, he's gonna, like, get it on his, on his, like, arm or, like, by his shoulder, definitely. Like, on his peck? Yeah, like, I somewhere where he'd be like, oh, it's so cool, acafellas. 
Where, like, he has to unbutton, like, another two buttons of his shirt to be like, look what I did. Yeah. These are my glory days. Yeah. I, oh, please, this is just a general PSA for the world. Do not get a tattoo of your acapella group. Don't. Oh, that's a nightmare sentence. Do not do it. I'm not that, speaking I, from any place of experience. That's what I was going to ask, but I was going to ask if you were speaking on behalf of someone else's experience. Yeah, I, I stopped him. <laughs> Which is I one of the this. things that I'm proudest about in my life was being like, do not get a tattoo of your acapella group. Don't get an acapella tattoo. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, one day you're going to be 30 and you're not going to want a tattoo of your acapella Yeah, group are you really going to want to explain that to people later? You have this tattoo and then you're like, they're like, oh, what is that? And you're like, oh, my acapella group. <laughs> From college. <laughs> you don't want it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Oh, man. So then we go right into Emma's office and we're back to the guts thing because like of course Matthew Morrison wanted to be the star but he never had guts I guess or no he doesn't have guts to be a dad he just doesn't have guts um (laughs) no guts no glory no yeah exactly um and of course Emma uh compares it to which I love this um most like stars have determination over talent just check out John Stamos and I was like wow I mean uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you a little foresight on this one to make that joke funnier, which is that you will see John Stamos on Glee. Fantastic. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I knew you were going to say that because John Stamos watched this episode and said, "Watch me, motherfuckers." <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. John Stamos, who has been on the Broadway and stuff, like. Mm-hmm. Well, because then we go to the cafeteria and we immediately learn about a shop teacher who's addicted to cough syrup and. Now he can't hitchhike because he cut off both of his thumbs because he was uh, hyped, not hyped up. He was falling asleep on cough syrup while cutting wood. I will say a lot of things about this scene made me laugh. First of all, yes. the choir teacher is in there. Aren't you? He's like, I'm not allowed to be within 50 feet of children. So it's fine that I'm in the teacher's lounge. Right. The shop teacher who cuts off his thumbs on cough syrup and also the line which they put on network TV told the principal we're going to have a school full of Nancy's unless you get some hot wood in their hands. I have so much. I have so much at uh, this. <laughs> I just so wrote, that okay. That, I had like 5,000 red flags go off in my brain when he was, they were like, I'm not allowed to be in the 50 feet of children. I can be here. And I was like, I'm sorry. Is this person a registered sex offender who's not allowed to be around children? And this is a funny, funny joke. And then we just, like, have that throughout where he's like, man, you're creepy. You can keep hanging out with us, though, even though you probably statutory raped someone. (laughs) Yup. Yup. Yeah, in the first episode, he was fired, and it's unclear if he was fired for actually being caught touching kids or if he was fired for someone saying that he touched kids and it was out of malice. But either way, he's creepy. This is like right. the most unhinged undercurrent of this show for me. <laughs> that they just have <laughs> the wacky side character who's just um, a sex offender. Right. Yes. And child sex offender. Yeah. yeah, and this and this dude does a lot in this episode alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like I mean, I don't want to gloss over the thumbs up cake because that was just masterful. <laughs> also, if you're like, my wife's gonna bring a cake, and instead she sends her associate from Sheets and Things with a cake that says two thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, he can't ha- count higher than 30, and he's afraid of his vacuum. I feel seen by Howard Bamboo from Sheets and Things. Aww. I love it. Um, but then all the But then all the ladies leave the cafeteria, and it's just the dudes hanging out. And as Matthew Morrison puts it, this is hanging out with the guys, sharing feelings. Okay. <laughs> and then they harmonize for he's a jolly good fellow. My note here is sure. Yeah, yeah, that was yep. kind of my reaction to it. I, I, I was like the the harmony. He's a jolly good fellow. Just why? Why is this yeah. happening? I don't understand why any of them would. It's like that person who always breaks into the harmony during Happy Birthday, and you're just like, shut the fuck up. Who are you? Present. I, I, I mean, I am you, that person. I like. Ian J. Are you doing it though, like at a at like your office, like birthday party or something? Actually, you know, no. Like... At my, we'll call it my office. At my office, I don't because there are so many other people that will do that. 
So that's when oh, I just no. I just take a strong melodic line and maybe like take a third at the last note or something like I work I at a it, record company. Humble. None of us do that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay, my I I have to tell you right now. I just feel like this is for me. It was good. It was a. It started with Leah Michelle deserves to be bullied. <laughs> this <laughs> this harmony guys in the cafeteria deserve to be bullied, and then all these kids deserve to be bullied. I'm rooting for the cheerleaders. <laughs> I mean, they're so wrong. obnoxious. And an ableist, which we'll get into. <laughs> we'll get into that. I mean, yeah, you're not we wrong. Smash cut. We smash cut from He's a Jolly Good Fellow to Matthew Morrison singing This Is How We Do It oh. with four men in his apartment. And then which, he says the phrase, busting out some white hot new jack swing, which is just so, so many words. This is the first time this is the first time I'll say this out of probably a lot this episode. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. When he turned to the camera and said, this is how we do it, it startled me. He looks deep in your eyes and tells you that this is how we do it, and I'm like, please take it back. He's going, I'm going to be the Grinch in 2020. I'm the fifth horseman of the apocalypse. (laughs) I should have known. Not the Grinch. Oh, God. He's really a harbinger of things to come. I, again, feel feel real I feel like I know all of these people because I was like in these social circles and was like maybe maybe that's why I'm rooting for the cheerleaders because I feel like them were like yeah I'm participating in this but I think I hate all of you which was kind <laughs> yeah. of my my vibe I hung out with the techies a lot <laughs> yeah um which you were probably right to do <laughs> I'm a hateful bitch and thus the Acafellas was born without Sandy um yeah yeah, because he's creepy, and which is mm. the plot point of like being in a boy band at Wonders for our love life because his wife is trying to get pregnant after yeah. having okay. said she was pregnant. Um, which did include the other line that I was like, "Oh, I'm uncomfy," which is he having to hear Matthew Morrison say it was like she was trying to make a twin. Ugh. Yeah, that was pretty nasty. Uh, my note yeah. for this whole section was no woman has ever been more attracted to a man because of acapella. <laughs> it's never happened. Well, no, apparently, like, in other parts of the country, it's like a big fucking deal. Acapella? Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's Ohio. That's true. Like, this is all these people oh, have. That was my final note, actually. Ohio deserves to be bullied. That's <laughs> 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 true. <laughs> No offense to the people of Ohio, but you know what you did. I mean a lot of offense <laughs> to the people of Ohio. My people are from Ohio and Indiana and <laughs> Illinois, and I say to all of you, my genetic kin, <laughs> stop it. I, Annette, Fair. if there's nothing else out of the all these years that we've known each other, I want to thank you right now for validating all of these thoughts I've had about the Midwest just now. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. I grew up in the Hudson Valley, but my parents are from the Midwest. I've spent a lot of time in the Midwest, and let me tell you, there's nothing in the Midwest. Bloomington is okay. That's it. Congrats to Bloomington. Congrats that travel to Bloomington. tip was free. If you have to be in Indiana, go to Bloomington. And um, Cedar Point in Ohio, that does not deserve to be bullied. That's a dope theme park. Awesome. Man, I miss theme parks. Especially water parks. Right? I love water parks. It's January in a pandemic, and I would give anything to go. I know that you're just, like, swimming in in urine, and I don't care. (laughs) It's so fun. It is. (laughs) That, like, the only thing between you and death is, like, some industrial-strength plastic. Yeah. It's Uh, wonderful. Man. uh, Good times. Good times. So speaking of good times, (laughs) we're back in our Glee Club practice room. Leah Michelle brings cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they, they now they need him. Yeah, who's, who's sure. him? They need Will. Okay. who won't come to practice anymore because he was bullied, <laughs> rightfully so. Right. Um, and because he's too busy being in an acapella group. Right. And then Leah Michelle's like, "Oh no, we did a bad thing in bullying our teacher." And then the cheerleaders are like, "No, no, this was right. We need to get Dakota Stanley." Right. So that yeah. So they go out and hire Dakota, and also Brittany's here. I think this is like the first time yes. we really see Brittany. And then Finn is all like, "Why did you bully my favorite teacher?" 
And then he has a very uncomfortable line for me when he's, like, walking talking with Rachel down the hallway, being like, why are you being so mean? And she's like, I need to win. And he's like, and he says, I wrote it down verbatim because it annoyed me so much. He goes, for a while there, you were all over me, and now you just yell at me. Like, sir, I will say, for context for you, Annette, that literally last episode, they made out on the floor of their auditorium, and then he got up and ran away from her. (laughs) So pretty understandably... And, and he has a girlfriend, so he cheated on his girlfriend with her and then ran away from her, and now he's like, hey, why aren't you being nice to me anymore? Yeah. What did I do? I feel right. like I lived this experience. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna reach way god. back and just suppress whatever's trying to come up. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that sounds like some real high school boy actual stuff. It really was, <laughs> and I was like, you're just... Ugh. I will say, though... I don't sympathize with either of those characters. I will say, though, Quinn just saying, I'm bored, is the energy we should all aspire to. <laughs> She's right. She's right. I feel like if you've ever been in a rehearsal full of too many too many Leah Michelles yeah. just being like, I'm bored. Yeah. Please let us move yeah. on. Yes. Well, moving on to Sue Sylvester, then, because she's back and she's wonderful. Um, and apparently was in the Special Forces in Panama. I wrote sure. down nothing but respect for my cheerleading Desert Storm Queen. this just cemented me going like the cheerleaders are the best i'm rooting for the cheerleaders i want this this special ops mission to succeed yeah you know what i think maybe you do deserve more funding i mean the quote here is i need a fog machine and clearly she does she does need a fog machine i have like a rant for later about the like the funding for this glee club i cannot wait we will get into that I also should say I come from a family of teachers, uh, music teachers, mm, nonetheless. Right. So I have oh, I have so. big feelings about. I cannot funding. wait. <laughs> so. On to Amber Riley. <laughs> to Amber yes. Riley. Amber Riley's On lonely. Amber Riley. Yeah. Oh god. They show us this by panning to one couple of characters we know, and then one couple of just random people we have never seen before kissing, and you're like, yes, this is high school. Yes, because they pan to um. Puck and Santana, right? First? Yep. Um, yes. Like, and like, then Amber Riley has a really sad line about the special education kids getting more play than the Glee Club kids, and I went, yikes, out loud. Yeah. Right? Yep. I. 2009. They make the bad so many of these jokes throughout this episode, and I, I was real, I was really upset by it, actually. The special yeah. ed jokes, they have one about the short bus later. And yep. they really are punching down at the kid in the wheelchair later when it's like supposed yes. to be painting the choreographer as a villain, but like clearly the joke is still punching down at the person who cannot walk. And right. I I thought that that was that was very telling. And I I don't know I don't even remember two thousand nine being still very like big on saying things like the short bus. I feel but, like we had like yeah. progressed to a point where we were like hey like. We shouldn't be calling things retarded. Yeah. They do a bad job with, especially with, like, representation of ableism. Because as we've mentioned, um, the guy who plays the kid in the wheelchair, Artie, is a fully abled-bodied person. Oh. Uh, right. So, he can walk. Um, Surprise. Yeah, so... <laughs> and apparently Everything was, about... Oh, and apparently he was the best dancer in the auditions. Yeah. So, they, they don't do a good job. With a lot of things, yeah, we've talked about like all their their stereotyping. They don't they don't really do a good job with a lot, and I'm right. sure it played better. It probably didn't play great in 2009, but it certainly played better than it is now. Yeah, but, um, I will say like the Mercedes Kurt friendship that like budded right there was really sweet. Like that's the kind of part that I do like about this show. Like when we yeah. get to those moments, it's just like holy shit! Like the the ping pong of that one. Yeah. Flip of time. They're like, they're friends, and then immediately some cheerleaders are like, you should probably try to date him. And I'm like, oh, now I'm uncomfy again. Yeah, the sabotage yeah. is not so great. And then we have um, Poison. Oh, did you want to say something okay. else? No, that's, I was about to look up what the song was, because I didn't write down anything but Fedora. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I had so many mm. feelings about the Poison cover. For, yeah, on, first of on. all, Fedora. <laughs> big old fedora but you know what if there's an acapella group at least one person is gonna have a fedora so you know just dramaturgically that's sound we should be blessed (laughs) he was the only one the the main issue that i really had with this is that the cover 
that they used had more than four voices and yes. nobody mm-hmm. was beatboxing. <laughs> but there was a beatbox going on. There was a beatbox track going on, but I didn't see anybody doing it. I stood, I, just like me staring at my screen being like, which one of them, are, are they at least making one of them move their lips in a beatbox motion? No. The th- no thumbs guy was doing your baseline, I think. Like you yeah. can see him doing your baseline, but there was no beatboxers on that stage. I don't they know why I, I I feel like maybe I looked to the left at one point and I thought like one of the sound mouth well one of the mouth movements coming out of one of the dudes looked like a beatbox thing and I was like okay they chat they check that off the list but clearly I'm wrong. No. That being said, the lip syncing here is a lot. My other two notes mm-hmm. were what's happening here and I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine going to your favorite bar. You live in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. It's a Thursday night. You're like, I think I'll go get a drink at my favorite bar tonight. And you walk in and four middle-aged men start singing Poison in an acapella group. Right? No flip one... a table and leave. No, no one, one would one be excited. This. No one would be happy that this was happening. This lives in an alternate reality. And not only that, there is now an album. <laughs> yeah, and they get written up in the local paper for their performance in a local bar. I have a right. thing here. Okay. This is yes. related both. These are like little paragraphs I wrote. I wrote, who is reviewing acapella groups at a townie bar? What's yep. that journalist's yep. life like? Did they have to go to Yale, but then through a series of tragedies, <laughs> ended up at a townie bar beat in their hometown? What happened to them? Are they okay? How do they feel about this? What's happened to them? And then, new theory. This exists in a parallel timeline where the world is run by the mind of a 19-year-old boy questioning his sexuality and lashing out at his girlfriend. You just mean Ryan Murphy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That... That was brilliant. Beautiful. Especially a journalist who can use the phrase sexy harpsichord. I, I had that note, too. I had that note, too. Especially because, like, it was for the guy with now eight fingers. No, no thumbs. And, he like, still plays someone's heart like a sexy harpsichord. Yeah, um, I, like, I mean, and that summed everything up because my <laughs> note here was, is this what happens in Ohio? <laughs> but don't worry. With their good, good turn at the local townie bar, they've been invited to play the PTA meeting. What's going on here? Oh my god. <laughs> also, we do have one of the great lines. <laughs> Who is Josh Groban? Kill yourself. Kill yourself. There were two suicide jokes, too. I did a yes, note in that. I was like, okay, we're here with the ableism and you're making suicide jokes. Yeah. This is actually kind of also why I just have, like, a real bad taste in my mouth for the characters of the Glee Club themselves. Because they're going yes. around being like, we're losers, we're bullied, and then, like, spouting this really hateful shit. And I was just like, I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> A lot of this show is now at this point just like it's harder I think to start Glee now if you don't have like the fog of nostalgia over yeah. it. Like right. I would imagine this is a lot harder to just pick up and watch now because you're like, hey, we don't do that here. Right. Or at least we're trying very hard not to do that here. Um you couldn't make this show like no, this. No, definitely not. Not at all. And like again, two thousand nine was ugh, a decade ago. Yep. And so yep. we were definitely <laughs> trying to be better, but I can guarantee we weren't that great. Yet. Yeah. Right. And Ryan Murphy had enough pull to be like, we're going to say these things on the, on television. Yeah. And he did. But he also got Josh Groban so, to come to the PTA meeting. Yes. Somehow Josh Groban performing acapella. went to Ohio to go to a PTA meeting because as, um, as the pedophile puts it, the blogs are all a Twitter. He's looking for an opening act. Yeah, he's going to find it yeah. in Ohio. This, I think, was my first all-caps note, which was, why would Josh Groban hire an acapella group as an opener? Right? He he wouldn't? <laughs> well, no. I don't know. I feel like maybe he would, like, do a pentatonics or, like... The I don't know, like... the I, Well, again, back to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean... I no, mean... it's true. My, uh... Love you, Mom. My mom loves the, <laughs> the pentatonics. They're on my Christmas playlists. Um, or like, um, I know we're, we're crossing universes here now, but like, I feel like the Troublemakers from Pitch Perfect with Adam Devine as that leading, like, male vocalist, like, they would have a shot at opening for Josh Groban. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So this is a real talk thing. I know who Josh Groban is. I could not 
list a single Josh Groban song off the top of my head with confidence. The only one I know is his cover of All Holy Night. That's like it. Uh, <laughs> um, I know him. Okay. He has that song at the end of Polar Express, which is my favorite Christmas movie. Oh. Okay, so Josh Groban is exclusively a Christmas artist. I, I love Josh Groban. The thing that I love the most about Josh Groban actually is that he just like wanted to be like a like a comedy dude, and then he just like happened to make a career because he he has a beautiful singing voice and does these like hokey cheesy things. But you can like get him to like make appearances in comedies and stuff because oh, like yeah. in the end he he's oh. got a really good sense of humor about himself yeah. and he's genuinely really funny and seems like a lovely human being and every time he's on screen i'm happy he's great i mean in this he was great yeah yeah you want to know the top three josh groban songs on the spotify this is josh groban playlist um the first one is you raise me up Mm. the second one is all i ask of you phantom of the opera Opera. sure and then it's a song from the beauty and the beast live action um movie called evermore so didn't know about sure what i've learned now is i've josh groban is about as i expected to be and i still don't know what he's up to but good for him sure good for him for being on glee i guess yeah um he was great in that movie with emma stone and ryan gosling and steve carell too from what i remember annette's like giving me this look like what the fuck did you just say ian no 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 crazy stupid love is one of the most batshit movies i've ever seen in my life and i'm not gonna go on this tangent because i i think about (laughs) I think about the end of that movie like every day. <laughs> that that'll be a different podcast. Yeah, I, can't I oh man, this is like I went on another podcast one time and it was supposed to talk about The Bachelor and then I ended up talking about Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip for like five minutes. Amazing. This feels like that. I'm stopping myself. <laughs> well, moving on then, um, we find out I guess again that Kurt is rich. Yeah, because they this... pull up to um they pull up to the arrival high school. And like it's all like it's this fancy it's got ass spinning car. Rims. Yeah. And anything that has spinning rims is supposed to be rich, I guess. Right. Um, and it was bought for him to if he tried to be less gay is what it is. And like, he don't say it out loud, but that's what it is. My question is, why does Tina have no lines? They, they hate Jenna Ushkowitz. They just do, and I don't know why. Because she's brilliant. I love her. Her and Artie just don't talk in this episode. Yeah. They, they, they just. They straight up don't. And I know they have, like, a big cast and a lot to get through. But, so, like, but... but, like, you could have, I mean, give Tina some lines. Nah. She had, like, one. Eventually. And then, like, then we see the girl is puking mid-rehearsal. Um, I forgot that that was going to be about, like, the um, overbearing, um, we find out, very short dance person, a choreographer, that's the word, of one of the things that I actually do with my time. Um, yeah, good job, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> Um, we find out that the candelabra guy is a monster. Which leads us to... Their dance number. To Mercy. Mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, is this a, is this a good dance number? Okay, my notes here. <laughs> Flames. Fuego. Fire. I okay. loved this number. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. I fucking loved this cover. I love the dancing. I like that song to begin with. I, I'm here for it. That's two for two with vocal adrenaline. They rehab and mercy. Like clearly their game is British white women with husky voices, and I support it. Flames. So it's a it's a good dance number. Yes, I did enjoy the dance number. The backing tracks, however, I need to know, like what free karaoke site they got all of their (laughs) backing tracks for for all of these i i was like actually a little surprised by like the bad like quality of the tracks that they use to auto-tune over i was like (laughs) y'all i loved it though no like the dance number was good i have a lot to say about the tracks 13 episodes were like or like the first nine maybe they didn't know if they were going to be a show so they probably were like let's keep that budget that's mm. low that's fair enough i suppose although for a singing show i might put a little yeah, more no, in- <laughs> who knows i mean he was, po- he was uh, it sounds like they were really banking on everything sounds like a pop cover and sure 2009 was a, a different time it was <laughs> 
Where'd you uh, go there, yeah, Annette? Come... Uh, back to my red hair. <laughs> Got it. Um, <laughs> uh, we meet Dakota Stanley. He's short. I Is he someone? Did he look familiar? Is he a Not guy? Not to me. Or is he just a, a small man? Which, like, let me get this out of the way now. If we're assuming that he would be covering Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, there's no way he would even get into that casting room because Lumiere has to be, like, 6'2 and above. I know this not only because I played Lumiere in high school right before the show came out, but the guy that did all our choreography was, like, 6'2 and had almost been cast in that role a gajillion times and took it out on me. Oh, no. Yeah. Sounds like high school theater. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, good with the bad and all that stuff, but... I mean, maybe it was supposed to be, like, a long con joke, like, he... He was, they said he was an understudy for Lumiere, and then you meet him, and he's, like, pocket-sized, and maybe that's when the joke is finally supposed to come full circle. Again, not a great joke, then. No. No, it's just not. And we find out that he costs $8,000, plus, like, premiums. And he drives away in a car with a hot woman. Sure. So you know he's cool. Yeah. And then we find out that Howard quit the band, and Henri, the guy with... The guy with the the missing thumbs, his name is Henri, and he like kind of OD'd on cough syrup a bit. Like yeah, it got dark there. For cough syrup. Yeah. And they bring Emma in to like do the exposition on this, and she's all like in sad lighting with her sad face and her big so eyes. It's actually, and it's then quite serious. Matthew Murphy just turns back to the camera and sings and pops on it. No, I'm kidding. That didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, my only note for this section is I love Howard. Follow your dreams. It felt like. <laughs> It felt like he was quitting the band under duress. Like, if you had moved the camera slightly to the right, like, Terry would have been there with, like, a sheets and things spice gun to his head. Like, you gotta quit that band. <laughs> I just, like, loved his... I it was definitely my favorite part of this episode was him going, it was never my dream, and hang up the phone. I was like, you go, Howard. You live your truth. Yeah. You get what you need. Sheets and things. <laughs> Love you, so Howard. What are they gonna, I love you, what Howard. What are they going to do? They're down two band members. They are down two They're, band members. So, Shu posts a Craigslist ad, but he doesn't need that because enter Finn and Puck. Yeah, two teachers and two high school students hanging out on the weekend. Normal friend group. That's not weird. Not weird at all. Because then we get some of Puck's backstory. Yes. And he has Puck's been dumped position. by Santana. He sleeps with moms and has a nipple ring. That's what we know about Puck. Uh, I loved him for it. That entire <laughs> sequence, I was like, we love a young man who appreciates a fine older woman. I was like, wonderful. Thank you for it. He's not, it's like somehow he's not even being weird about it. He's just like, no. yeah, I love a, like a fine woman in her 40s. I'm like, fantastic. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and it seems like he's actually a pretty good pool player. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like this guy's honestly. great. He seems real Here's secure. Also... Well, I was just going to say that underneath Puck's exposition, they play La Camisa Negra by Juanes, which is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> Shout out to Sarah Bolton for Amazing. La Camisa Negra playing in the show. <laughs> wow. Um, and, like, oddly enough, like, these side characters, like, your Pucks, your Emmas, like, they're the best at their jobs. Like, Emma's a great guidance counselor, and, like, Puck is, like, a great athlete and pool cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> and he is, like... He's like, I'll play guitar and I can sing. He's like, he knows it. He's He's got that, like, popular boy in high school confidence energy that I could never imagine having in any lifetime. But he, right. he, he is, like, excels beyond it, though. He's got, like, mm. a confidence that, that spans, like, space and time. He's going to be well-adjusted as an adult, too, somehow. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be an infuriating person who's, like well-adjusted and has a has a decent job and they're like oh what was high school for you like and he was like crushing it and then they're like <laughs> okay cool well should we go back to your house and he's like yeah it's huge crushing it <laughs> just like <laughs> oh well are you dating anyone i'm married 17 years crushing it like just <laughs> three kids they're awesome crushing it i love the i love your character game for <laughs> yeah, him. any high school male who's like i'm gonna get a nipple ring and love it is like doing going above and beyond yeah. right <laughs> really um which like i mean we'll we'll talk about in the next episode but he flat out like talk like they're in the middle of a football game and he goes yo i slept with your mom no really your mom and i had sex in your bed not even as like a yo mama joke just flat out being like no. this is what happened shut up 
then we see them all in practice, and um, I, I, I'm, again, I'm uncomfortable. Um, there's a lot Watching of watching Cory Monty move rhythmically was really uncomfortable. It's very white. He can't. He can't do it. That <laughs> yeah. boy just can't do it. There's a lot of hip talk, a lot of swinging bats. Um, and they're supposed to show like, oh look, they both got it now, and I'm like, one of them got it. That happened really <laughs> quickly too. Like they like they couldn't do the choreography. They half practice some baseball moves, and then all of a sudden they can quote dance. Yes. And also, by the sure. way, it's not a cappella if one of them is playing guitar. You, the That's... whole premise of your band is shot when that happens. You add a guitar to your acapella group. It's yeah. true. That is true. Yeah. Then you're just then you're just a band. Then you're just a band. And you got, and you got no bass or drums. And you got no bass. Yeah. Um, just a white boy with a guitar, just, and there's enough of those. You're just like a, a white boy with a guitar, like busking with all of your friends, annoying everyone. Present. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Ian. I love you too. You I like, don't mean to accidentally keep dunking on you. It's 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 fine. I deserve it. I. I feel like if Ian unfortunately like grew up in Ohio, he could probably have seen himself in Glee. Yeah. Yeah, that would have totally been my story if I grew up, like, like a thousand miles west. Like, if nothing else about you changed, except that you grew up in Ohio instead of the New York City area. I would be... This could have been your story. We don't like to imagine that future. I mean, I'll never for- I'll never forget when I turned 23 and at my birthday party, Karina, you said, Hey, at this, t- at this point in the Glee universe, you're old enough to have been cast as Fanny Bryce and then given it up. <laughs> I don't remember saying that to you, but that sounds exactly like something I would say. You 100% so. said that to me, and I, I'm sure I will bring it up many times over the course of this podcast. I'm sorry for comparing you to Leah Michelle. Which, wow. On your birthday. And speaking wow. of Leah Michelle, because she leads a gay ca- a gayvention. I was going to say gaycation. That's not it. Yeah. A gayvention. And my note is, who let Leah Michelle lead this shit? Because, I, 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 not, not, not my first choice of, like, even a tough love situation here. Yeah. I don't know why. It somehow seemed, it somehow seemed homophobic, even what they were doing. Even though what they were saying was, hey, you need to get your feelings in check, because I think he's probably gay, and I don't want you or him to feel like weird or awkward but like that's not how it came across right no (laughs) and then like everything about this plot line i hated truly yeah and oddly enough like mercedes was the one i felt like the most for because she was like i don't even remember what she was said like what she was saying but something about whatever she said made me feel for her the most because i wrote she has a point she was like kurt's nice to me yeah that that was it oh yeah well like that that made me really upset it's like uh, it's just kind of skipping ahead to the next beat um, and the next scene. Which is fine. But, you know, it's like five seconds prior, we have this whole lovely speech, actually, where she talks about, like, it sounded to me when I first heard it that she was saying, yeah, I know maybe he's not into me. It it seemed, like, subtext-wise that maybe she knew that he was gay, but she didn't care because she was getting emotional satisfaction out of her relationship with him and that was good enough for her but then when she thinks that he is attracted to Leo Michelle then she busts his car like it it made no sense to me no <laughs> right it felt like Mercedes was like if at some point they're like what if we have her be hypnotized and think that she's in love with Kurt a gay man and they forgot the hypnotism part yeah <laughs> because it really does feel like in the span of two and a half days she convinces herself that she's in love with Kurt, someone she previously didn't really have any interest in besides being his friend and then believes fully that they're dating and that he likes another woman to the point where she's so mad she throws a rock at his car. Yeah. Right. Like, and I I wonder if it was a case where they were like, ooh, wouldn't it be great if we could make Amber Riley Amber Riley would sound great singing Buster Windows. I mean, again. How could we make that work? Again, my notes for that song were Fire Fuego. Well, yeah, but it felt like they had the song first and tried to write a plot for yeah. it, and it was messy. Sure, I'll give you that, absolutely. That being said, she killed that performance. She though. did, oh, except of course. She... I mean, she's, like, clearly a fantastic performer. That's, like, she's 100%. the only person I know from Glee at all, and I think maybe any performance I've ever seen from Glee, just, like, randomly on YouTube, because everyone's like, she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. then like if you hear her sing live she like that's what she sounds like like there's yeah. clearly very little work that has to be done on the back end um except for the fact that like she did not they the, i don't know if it's the choreography or what but like there were a few times where she's like singing behind a mic and then like steps out of the mic and like is still singing and dancing and i'm like that that doesn't track that doesn't that's not a thing um <laughs> yeah. but the song was awesome Britney definitely stands out among all of those cheerleaders. Like, even though we don't yeah. like really know her yet, like she clearly stands out. Um, you can, you can tell that she was a Beyonce dancer. Um, yep. Because that's who Heather Morris was. They wear high heeled Converse, which is always the funniest shoe in the world to me to watch anyone wear. They're like, let's take a sneaker and put a heel on it. Great, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then uh, they have that excellent exchange of. You busted, like, you busted my windshield. Well, you busted my heart. Oh. Ugh. Emmy! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Straight you know, fire. It was a time. Sometimes I get down on myself for my own writing, and then I see something like this, and I go, you're all right. <laughs> this show won awards. You're okay. This show won awards, yeah. yeah. Presumably. Oof. Um... Now it's bullying time, right? It goes straight. I didn't have anything else between the the good good song performance and then suddenly it's kids being bullied. It's suddenly yeah. kids being bullied. You're not trying hard enough at walking. Yikes. Oh, oh God, I know. No, I I, I, I already touched bullied. on it with this. You did. And it has the other really uncomfortable joke where anytime an adult is handing out specialized diet plans to people, red flag there. Right. Um, Amber Riley's being like, this one says just coffee. And he goes, yep. And I'm like, oh, no. Let's yeah. encourage disordered eating. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, again, it's the thing where it's just, I know that all of those actions are supposed to paint him as a villain, but we never have anybody, like, actually counter what he's saying. Or, you know, everyone would be like, I'm not going to only drink coffee because there's nothing wrong with the way that I am. You know, like, and again, it, yeah. like at the end of it with Leah Michelle's speech with it, of them being like, we're different and that's what makes us special. Uh, it still doesn't touch on <laughs> anything that was said or anything like, you know, it just. Um, it does ignore all the fucked up shit he just said yeah, like, right there. It, it really just kind of makes it roll off with like. We're different, and it's like, no, no, no oh, hold on, because <laughs> these are all things that lead to very bad things. <laughs> and then, like, yeah. and then he buries that under like some sort of bullshit, like confidence speech. Yeah, which like felt like a very ham-fisted way of like bringing back the whole guts and confidence thing. Like, yeah. Oh, here, here was my rant though about fundraising. <laughs> so they yes, fire please him. Go on. They fire the choreographer because right. he's being horrible to them. And they have a speech. What are they going to do with all of the money that they just fundraised <laughs> from that car wash? Like, what are they What are they going to use it for? They specifically raised it so they could get this awesome choreographer. And now they're just going to, like, what, sit on it? And, like, the cheerleading team helped them. And they're not going to, like, maybe split it with them since they're not going to use it for the right funds. It, I was like... Fuck this club, honestly. <laughs> that is so much money that they had to raise to get this guy, and then they were just like, meh. Oh, see, I worried that they paid him, and even though he was only there for like an hour and a half, he took his eight grand and split. That was my concern. Also, like, they made eight grand by washing cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I, in like, like three days. Like, inflation or whatever like local tax rates aside like that would not happen in new york city that would wouldn't not happen, happen in 2009 especially after no the economy way. had crashed <laughs> people were getting evicted from their homes <laughs> but yeah let me spend a hundred dollars on a car wash <laughs> they only washed eight cars and they charged a grand per car yeah one of them, I guess, was Kurt's family. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, the whole, like, the fact that they just, like, didn't even address the fundraising thing, especially because you have the side, uh, the the cheerleading team characters just being like, oh, we're going to sabotage them. You would think that, like, funding for all of that would be a major point of contention that you could very reasonably bring up with the school administration about, like, this fucking glee club that is just 
wasting money. <laughs> right. Making havoc. That's, I mean, Annette, you're, you've been making solid point after solid point here. <laughs> I was, like, right, right, angry right, right, on behalf right. of school administrations everywhere <laughs> for that point. <laughs> well, then let's stop. Then let's move from school administrations to the next Acafella's performance. Ah, oh, yes. Oh. Thank God. Here we are. <laughs> so, sex you up. Let's put three high school teachers, one of whom who has recently been fired for inappropriate relationships with a student, and two high school students on a stage at a parent-teacher association meeting. Absolutely a violation sing, of the I terms. I want to sex you up. The terms were definitely violated in this oh. PTA meeting. <laughs> it's just a large yikes. And then they all gave them a standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, Sue Sylvester is watching this going, uh-oh. They're too good. They're too good. And Puck is still the best one in this group. Finn is not a great dancer still. And again, this could have been a show about Matthew Morrison reliving his glory days as a boy band member. But no, he's a Spanish Matthew teacher. Matthew Morrison, who said, I'm not going to, everyone else is tying their bow tie, but I'm too cool. So I'm leaving my bow tie untied. Good call out. Good call out. You look. Um, um, much yeah. like last episode where Finn singing Push It and the line of him saying Yo Baby Pop lives rent free <laughs> in my head. Um, listening to the old Glee teacher Sandy Ryerson just say I know you're not gonna sing that song is yep. like a fucking alarm clock going off <laughs> on the hour every hour. Oh my god. <laughs> and I don't like it. I need, I need someone to just send me like a, a sound clip of that and I will just make that my alarm clock for when I have to wake up in the morning. Ugh. That will definitely jolt me awake. Ugh. And this is a PTA meeting, um, oh. but Josh Groban showed up with his bodyguard. I'm so happy Josh Groban showed up, and I'm so happy for his bodyguard. I just loved them. They were great. <laughs> they were good. Ugh. To hand off a restraining order. I well, I know. I was like, I, I know why they're doing this. I had my, my logic train thing. It was like, if he's that much of a danger, he would not hand this restraining order to him himself. But right. okay, I understand why this is happening. And it's again, just circled back to this fired teacher is literally a stalker who is sending unsolicited new pick and this is supposed to be a hilarious joke right it's so uh, disturbing it really is, it is fucking bonkers the tone the juxtaposition between the tone of the show and the content of what's going on makes me feel right? like a crazy person <laughs> and i think that's what people liked about it when they came out they're like this show is saying the wildest shit yeah because also, like there's an acapella band in it <laughs> Because the, um, like, the whole, like, um, whatever, the whole slogan was, like, abiding satirical comedy for the underdog, and we're like, what's fighting who for which underdog? Yeah. Where did you see that? I, like, I shit you not, maybe, like, uh, again, this honestly might have been, like, on the poster that I got signed when I went to that, like, event thing at the Garden State Plaza in 2009. Yes, Annette, that's a real thing that happened. Um. Plus, you know? Um, I think that might have been, like, the slogan on the poster. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. It's that's a lot. But um, and but after all of this, Josh Groban still enjoys the show. I will also say, props to Glee for giving a reason why, like a reasonable reason why Josh Groban might be in Ohio, because he had to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, that right. made sense. So I'm like, okay, that's a reason for Josh Groban to be in Ohio. Yeah. That, you did it. That makes the sense, bar yeah. was down here, and you hopped over. <laughs> right. They um, sell 17 CDs. They sold 17 CDs, so good for them. Sorry, just more flashbacks. More flashbacks <laughs> to townie CDs. Yup. <laughs> yep. Look, I'm not saying I'm the coolest kid in the world. I worked at a Renaissance fair. <laughs> Some might say you, that <laughs> elevates you. I know. That's, that's actually where I had the townie CD flashback. I was like, oh boy. That's such a vibe. <laughs> and then, like, his wife is just all of a sudden kind of supportive. Yeah, I read, like, a thing that was, like, this hint, like, shows what like their relationship hinges on that Matt Morrison thinks his wife is hot and his wife thinks thinks it's hot when that he used to like perform and that's literally the only thing they still like about each other. I I had a big question when she came up and they had this thing at like outside and she went I should have been more supportive and I went 
When were you not supportive? They had the whole thing earlier where you were fucking him, like, every single day or whatever. Yeah. Because right. of acapella. So, I, that was totally, that was weird. I didn't understand See, that. That came out of nowhere. What I think of is that she was saying I should have been more supportive in the past when this was your Oh, dream. okay. That, that would sure. make more could sense. Have been, you could have been a boy bander forever. Or, or it was writing from when they had her threatening Howard of sheets and things to quit the band and they just cut out that part which I think would be funnier um, okay wait. that makes more sense oh, and then like the sexy move is like he gives her his scarf and like that's kind of like seductive-ish his scarf is this long it's yeah. like okay you can't yeah people listening can't see it's like a foot long scarf it does not go around the neck while he's while he's being like this was all a dream come true but I'm a teacher okay sure. yeah yeah because because a tall a gangly high school student said hey when you told me to move my hips like baseball you really changed my life mr schuster and he was like i'm meant to be a teacher this stood out to me too because i went wait performing locally at a pta meeting with maybe a celebrity guest showing up was your (laughs) was a dream come true this is where your bar is (laughs) he wanted to sing sexually uncomfortable songs with his high school students at the pta meeting it's a dream come true Ohio man. Ugh. And then uh, Josh Groban's wow. trying to fuck his mom. Yeah. You know what? Great. I, I also good for acapella mom getting hers. <laughs> yeah. And like I guess like this is like a lesson of some sort with like Matthew Morrison being like, but this is my calling. Like I'm a teacher, and it's like I guess like the lesson is be happy with what you got. I don't know if there's a real moral to this episode. This episode really felt like they were like, fuck, we forgot to write episode three. <laughs> put it in <laughs> right um yeah because then we have mercedes and kurt and kurt comes out to mercedes so i actually really liked this scene same because they put a lot of emotion to it and even though like literally every viewer has known since the first episode that kurt is gay i think the fact that coming out of a glass closet is still coming out yeah and they gave it that they gave it that weight in emotion, and he being like, this is the first time I've ever said any- this to anyone, yeah. and she respected that. I think that was... they do a lot They they do a lot of characters and a lot of stereotypes dirty on this show, but the fact that it really shows that Ryan Murphy is a, was a gay man in high school, because he, I think that's the only subject he knows how to treat with respect. Yeah, it, it was really touching, the way he said, I've never told anyone before. Um, it really did stop me, and I thought that was really lovely. The the yeah. only the only bit that I did have like a a little bit of like a ugh, come on Ryan about was, um, this the speech they had and at the end they talk about needing to come out all the way and the way to do it is to have confidence and I was like, mm. not not really I just, that that yeah. is upsetting to me that's the whole you know like, I mean it's a different had- mind it's a different mindset there was. I'm not going to get into the whole, like, queer history of different attitudes towards coming out. Um, But I was a little like, okay, well, if he's only saying it for the first time to his friend, and he doesn't have to come swinging out of the closet if he's not ready. (laughs) He clearly has a lot of confidence. They had to get the word confidence in there again. I know. I I was like, you don't need to shoehorn that in, man. (laughs) You gotta have guts to come out. Right. Yeah. Also, like, is... Is a glass closet, is that, like, an actual, like, thing? Or did you just make that mm-hmm. up, Karina? No, that's a real thing. When, I've like, never heard of that. Celebrities really, like... Like, um, I think people used to say, like, Elton John was in a glass closet, right? Sure. Mm. Because you look at Elton John, you're like, oh, okay, wife, sure. And then he came out and everyone's like, yeah, we all knew, but you glass still closet. had... It was... It's up to you. It's up to you to say when or not you're ready to come out. Even yeah. if you're presenting in a way that appears queer. Sure. It's no one else's business whether or not you want to be known as queer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah. And I think they did that nicely with Kurt, because he obviously is very, stereotypically appears very queer, but they right. didn't, it's up to him if he wants people to know it explicitly. Yeah, ex- so. exactly. Uh, yeah. And then we finish off in, um, in Sue Sylvester's office with the smell of failure, which was yeah, a really funny armpits. line. Smell your armpit. That's the smell of failures. She revokes their tanning, your tanning privileges. privileges. Yeah. Santana's immediate sobbing and running out of the room got me. <laughs> that, that was yeah, really that funny. That was wonderful. 
I was like, I wanna, I wanna show only about these <laughs> cheerleaders. Yes. I was like, I was like, I'm way more interested in what these cheerleaders are doing. They knew Absolutely. what they had with Jane Lynch and Sue Sylvester, and yeah. they, they did right. Although I don't care about like the end bit of Quinn being like, when you're truly confident, you don't have to bring others down with you. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I wrote that. But... I wrote that quote down too because I'm like, I guess this is the lesson here, or whatever. Right, but. and then you go like, oh right, it's a school, it's a high school show for teens. Yeah. Uh, my last note on this show, I don't was just, man, Mama who bore me. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we love it. Oh my yes. god, <laughs> Annette, you brilliant son of a bitch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wasn't even that bored. I was just like, dang. You got it. You saw, you saw the opportunity and you took it. We respect that. Oh, bless you. Um, did anyone oh. have any notes that didn't get touched on? Nope. Anything else staring out to you in a way that is notable? I don't think so. I really, I really went down the, the rabbit hole there of some real visceral acapella memories. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> this was a pretty length there's quite a few songs in this one sung by our beloved glee class members if you had to spend 99 cents on itunes to download and put one of these episode songs onto your ipod touch or ipod nano if you were behind the times uh-huh, uh-huh. which song are you buying and putting on the apple charts i guess the cover of i think the cover of poison honestly Actually, okay. despite my my hatred for acapella, I just love the song Poison. So, Scrubs did it better. That's it. Amazing. <laughs> um, Ian, I have a feeling I know. Mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's that's no surprise here. Um, again, fire, straight fire. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I think. I think I also go with Poison just because of out of all the songs, I like the song Poison the most. Yeah. <laughs> like, Amber Riley's cover of Bust Your Windows is very good. Oh, absolutely. But I wouldn't, like, listen to it that frequently because you have to be in, like, a mood to be listening to Bust yeah. Your Windows. When Poison comes or... on, you're just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It's like Poison and Toxic are two songs <laughs> from, ar- like, around mm. that area. That I'm just like, I'm always in the mood for that. If that comes on, I'm like, fuck yeah. Let's Similar yeah. themes, too. Yeah, true. Right, yeah, totally. Yeah. Right in the titles. Oh, man. <laughs> so we've come to the end of our show. Annette, where would you like to be found on the social media? Do you have anything to plug in today? I do have something to plug, in fact. Woo! <laughs> um, I am part of a team called Only Sketches About, and we are launching our first full podcast season, Only Sketches About Podcast. Uh, starting in March, we are starting our first episode is only sketches about camp. I just finished editing it uh, about 20, 10 minutes before I hopped on here. And yeah. it's going to be really fun. We do a, a themed a themed show every, every episode. Um, and we have a whole bunch of really awesome uh, guest stars as well, like Jordan Olds from Two Minutes to Late Night, Jack and Melissa Comedy, and so many more just wonderful people um so you can check that out now we actually have two episodes up already uh from this summer so it's only sketched about podcast on spotify apple podcast and iHeartRadio. and you can find me on twitter at a storks that's a s t o r c k s because my last name is german and dumb <laughs> and instagram at annette storkman i mostly put up photos of my cats and my husband these days because I'm 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 in an apartment with my cats and my husband (laughs) and I guess also if you want to download Rizzle which is a an app kind of like TikTok it's free it's very popular in India I am told (laughs) but all these sketches about as well uh has uh some some short sketches up there they're one minute videos and we currently have two episodes up of our show meowie vice which stars my cats so (laughs) if you want to waste some time (laughs) these days of quarantine that's a that's a way to do it (laughs) wonderful that is a way amazing (laughs) 
And that's it. That's what I got to plug. And that's where you can find me on social. If you feel so inclined to find me on the internet, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Epic Adventure of. Um, you can find my Instagram, which is full of uh, pictures of dogs, or my Twitter, which is full about tweets about cats. And those are the only two things. Um, or my very hot takes on D&D. Um, there's not much there, but you can do with that information what you will. Side note, I'm mildly surprised that we did not go on a cat's tangent in this episode. Um, oh, man. Also proud, There'll but... be time. <laughs> um, and if you want to find me, um, I'm at ibroski on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah! Um, so... That was episode three of Glee. Acapella, acapellas, acapellas. Whoops, we just talked about it for an hour, and I still know the title. Um, if you have thoughts, feelings, concerns about this episode, uh, let us know. Uh, you can tweet at us at uh, Glee Aggressive, or it, I guess Instagram us at Glee Aggressive as well. Yeah. It's hard to send messages on Instagram. Or if you're feeling old-fashioned, send us an email. Yes, send us a nice us. long essay about everything that you think is wrong with Glee at gleeaggressive at gmail.com. <laughs> we would love to hear your thoughts. Um, watch episode four for next week. Get caught up and we'll be ta- back talking about episode four next time. Ian, does this episode of Glee make you want to watch the next episode of Glee? Actually, yes. Wow. Annette, does it make you want to watch the next episode of Glee? In kind of like a horrified way, yeah. <laughs> All right, you know what? I had a, I'll take it. I had a moment. I was like, I kind of don't know how this pregnancy storyline ends. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Find out next time on Glee Aggressive. <laughs> Glee, Glee Aggressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>